The Bible reading this morning comes from James chapter 1, verses 19 to 27. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Well, good morning everyone. Those gathered here this morning in the auditorium and uh, those watching on live stream. Uh, I see you out there watching on live stream as well, so I'll look at you every so often as I look at the congregation. You know, uh, at Nawi Baptist Church, we are committed to building an authentic, loving, God-honoring, Christ-centered and Bible-soaked church. That's our hope, that's our dream, that's what we work towards. A church that does not simply listen to the Word, but a church which through the power of the Holy Spirit does what the Word of God says. So we want to be a church that evangelizes and disciples, a church that loves and serves, a church which welcomes every age group and every cultural group, a church that seeks the glory of God above all else, a church that is so authentically gospel-centered that it impacts its community and the world at large, a church which has a global vision as well as a local vision. And David prayed for Emily, who's about to go overseas uh, very soon. Now, the world, I think the wider world that does not know Jesus, needs to witness a church that lives out what it proclaims. A church that walks the talk. A church that listens to the Word of God and does what it says. Last week, we began our series from the book of James. And James' concern was that God's people would not be double-minded. That's the expression. He said, don't be double-minded, but rather single-minded in your commitment to God and obedience to Him. There's a temptation to to want to have God and have the world at the same time. He says, no, you can't be double-minded, you can't be double-souled, but rather single-focused and single-souled. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves, he says, do what it says in verse 22. We need to hear the Word, learn the Word, own the Word for ourselves, and then put the Word into action. You see, with God's truth, it's not enough simply to hear about it, or even to learn it, but rather you need to live it. And so, well, firstly, in verses 19 and 21, James says, humbly receive the implanted Word. In verse 18, which was part of last week's message, he says, he chose to give us birth through the Word of truth. So as we heard the Word of God, the Spirit of God uh, made that alive in us and we received new birth. We were born again through the Word of truth. 
But secondly, now he says, the word is also the agent of daily growth. Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. It gives you new birth, it can save you, and you need to accept it as God's word. Douglas Moo is a commentator, and he writes this beautiful piece. He says, what James is suggesting by describing the word in this way is that the Christian must not think he is done with the word of God after it has saved him. No, that word becomes a permanent, inseparable part of the Christian, a commanding and guiding presence within him. The command to receive the implanted word then is not a command to be converted, but to accept its precepts as binding and to seek to live by them. Christians who are truly born again, verse 18, demonstrate that the word has transformed them by their humble acceptance of that word as their authority and guide for life. And I think uh, the teaching of James here is picking up uh, the prophecy of the prophet Jeremiah in 31 verse 33. And uh, Jeremiah said this, This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And so God's prophet looked forward to a day that as the Holy Spirit came within us, that the word would be in our minds and in our hearts. It's implanted in us. It's sort of a part of us. And so therefore, when you go to make decisions in life, how you treat other people and what you do with your money or your time, your gifts, that implanted word directs your decision-making. You must be a people who humbly accept this word and do what it says. Now, I must say it's easy to want to fight the word. We know the word of God, and, and I, I don't know about you, but many people at times will fight the word when you don't like it. No, I will not forgive him this time or her. They have failed me too many times. This time I will not forgive them. I don't really care. I know what the word of God says. I should forgive time and time again as Christ has forgiven me, but not this time. Well, I would cheat on a tax department. They shouldn't have taken my money anyway. I work hard for that money, so no one will know. Or I will sleep with my boyfriend or my girlfriend. We love each other. I know we're not married, but it's just the same as love. Or what's a marriage certificate anyway? You see, we fight the word, don't we? There's a temptation. Well, I'll lie to keep my job. Because I want my job. And surely God doesn't want me to be unemployed. So if I just tell this little lie, I can keep my job and everyone's happy. But the word is implanted in us. Do not lie, but tell the truth. Forgive, don't harbor grudges. You see, the word is implanted in us and it's causing us to live radically different lives. We are called to receive the word and be obedient to it. The Bible says the very person God esteems, Isaiah 66 verse 2, is the one who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at his word. Now that doesn't mean we never ask questions of the word, that we don't try to explain or understand it better. 
And uh, what does it mean? Uh, how does it apply to us? We do all of those things. That's right. But we want to humbly accept the Word. And that's why here at Nawi Baptist Church, uh, whether you're at home, hopefully you've got a Bible open, and if you're gathered here, you come to hear the Word with your Bibles. But, you know, we teach the Bible on Sundays. We, we work through the Bible. We ask you to join Bible study groups midweek so you can discuss and interact over the Word. Uh, we, we do follow-up and discipleship courses and evangelism courses to help people know the Word. We do Christianity Explain, or we might do Alpha or some other course because we want to get people into the Word because the Word will bring you lo- new life and the Word will transform you. We ask you to read the Bible daily for yourself that the Word will change you. We run other training courses to equip you for ministry. It's centered on the Word. And then he says in verse 19, to be quick to listen and slow to speak. As we learn the Word, as we are shaped by the Word of God, then it ought to impact how we listen and how we speak. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Proverbs 29 verse 20 says, Do you see someone who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for them. Proverbs 13 verse 3, Those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. Jesus said, I tell you that everyone will give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Now clearly, there are some problems in this church, uh, or the the churches that James is writing to. We'll see that in chapter 2, 1 to 13, in chapter 3, right through to chapter 4. People are angry, people are violent towards one another, people are not loving. You know, some, some of the people use the church as a means to display their wealth and to exercise power, and so they don't care for the poor. Uh, there seem to be a, uh, those in the, in the fellowship who didn't believe the command to love others. Still others showed favoritism to the wealthy. The poor and the wealthy would come together and the wealthy would be treated well and the poor wouldn't. Chapter 4, verse 1, they engage in fights and quarrels. And James says, if you want to eliminate some of those problems, have measured speech and studious listening. If you want to have a peaceful coexistence, be slow to say rash and angry words to others within the community. Now, I must say, we've uh, learned a little bit of this. We're still learning it during COVID, aren't we? You see, there's debates about vaccinated and unvaccinated people, vaccination passports. And if you go on social media, don't do it. It's depressing. Everyone's arguing their position and which doctor said this and how many people have died of this vaccination, how many haven't and and so on. And people have said very unkind things to one another. Church leaders have said things to other people. And the church has been almost more divided in social media than ever before the evangelical church because of people having different positions. Now, in a church like ours, my guess would be 97, 98% of us would be vaccinated. So it's not a big issue. At Nawi. And the people I've uh, did a, uh, Gami Baptist did a survey, 98% are vaccinated. 
And so a lot of the churches, yeah, it's a medical thing, it's simple, it's straightforward, uh, go ahead with it. But in some churches, and there may be a few within our own congregation, they struggle with that. And so we need to be very careful what we say to each other. Uh, I've had to bite my tongue multiple times and bite my finger so I didn't type things in social media, not to upset people or to hurt people. But you know the easiest way not to say something to hurt people? Keep your mouth shut. The other thing is sometimes you just need to silence some people on social media for 30 days. So you don't just keep hearing things. You don't have to be in social media to get frustrated and angry. Just turn it off. And, uh, and there are a lot of things like that. And we have to, in this period, let me say, it has really impacted the church in Australia and worldwide. Where churches have been divided on this issue more than ever before. Personally, I don't think we should have been. I think myself, that's why I'm doubly vaccinated. As soon as the vaccination is available, I think it's pretty straightforward. But I know some of you who may be listening think, well, it's not that straightforward. And, and if I gave you 10 minutes, you would then go for an hour to tell me why it isn't. And somewhere in all of that, we learn to hold our tongues, love one another, and accept that we will have some differences of opinion in these things. Sometimes people say terrible things to each other. You may have heard of the story of Winston Churchill, where a woman once said to him, uh, when he was falling all over the place, a little bit drunk, he said, Sir Winston Churchill, you've had too many drinks. So you are drunk, she said to him. To which he responded, my lady, you are ugly, and tomorrow I'll be sober, he said. Very unkind, witty, but unkind. So let me ask you, how are you doing in this area? Do you listen hard, and do you say the things that encourage and build up even difficult situations? Words are very powerful, and they can be wonderfully encouraging the healing. You know, people have been sending little notes to each other, encouraging each other, and we valued your comments and your encouragement and your emails as we've navigated another four months, and the pastoral team have been sustained by your love, your kind words, and your encouragement as we, we've said. So thank you for that, because those words, you keep going, Lord, what's going to happen this week? What's going to change this week? What law is changing? And you're just praying, you're up in the middle of the night, I think, okay, what's the best way to navigate this situation? But your words of encouragement and your prayers have been a great help for us. But words can also be terribly wounding and soul-destroying. You know, I used to teach with someone at uh, Miracle High School years ago, and uh, sadly she's passed away now. But uh, I didn't know, but what, she was a confident, outwardly confident teacher, um, I left teaching to go to Bible college. Then I'd heard that she became divorced, separated and divorced. I went back one day and said hello and just to find out what, what had happened. And she said, you know, my husband verbally and emotionally abused me. I would go home confident in my workplace and by the end of the night with him, I would lie in bed alone in the fetal position, frightened, broken, feeling worthless. He didn't hit me but he destroyed me by his words as a person. You know, David Nistrom is a commentator, and I was reading on, on, in the book of James, and he said one day, a, uh, of course, sort of an hour, he said, uh, there's a woman who came and sat in his office to tell him a story, and she said, uh, listen, a while ago, uh, my mother 
and I, we, we visited my aunts, and my aunt spoke so highly of, uh, the aunt spoke of her own daughter, and said, oh, I just, she's just a beautiful girl, and uh, I wish I could have had another child just like her. To which this girl in David Nistrom's office said, at that point, my mother, who was with me, said, I wish my daughter had never been born. She's broken, and in that office, just sharing the brokenness, the sense of rejection, the danger and the damage of words. It could be gossip, gossip, it could be slander, it could be making quick judgments. And I think in church we need to make sure we don't make quick judgments because we hardly ever know the whole story. And uh, I remember once uh, Chuck Swindoll says he was speaking at a week-long Bible, co- Bible teaching conference and uh, a packed house and there was a woman here. He noticed her bringing this man with her and this man would sit with her and... Uh, 10 or 15 minutes into his sermon, he would fall asleep. That's what normally happens when I preach. But, but he would uh, fall asleep. And he'd, he'd be thinking as he preached, oh, well, that's that guy. I guess he's, she's dragging him along to church. And it came every day, five days in a row. At the end of it, it said this woman came towards him, thinking she was going to apologize that her husband kept falling asleep in his sermons. And she said this, I just want to tell you that you are my husband's favorite Bible teacher. I wonder where this is going. But he has cancer and he doesn't have long to live. He doesn't have the strength to stay awake all the time, but he wanted to be here and hear you speak and meet you before he dies and goes to glory. That's why he was here. And she said, thank you, this has been a very special week for us. You never know the whole story, do you? It just reminded me, I was preaching once uh, when I was at Asheville Baptist, and uh, there was a mother there who was a lovely Russian lady, always quite attentive and passionate for Jesus, and her, her young adult daughter or teenage daughter was with her. And I'm preaching, and I'm thinking I'm doing a decent job, and she'd got her head on her mother's uh, shoulder, and her eyes are shut. I thought, oh, well... I fail there. But I finished afterwards. She came up to me and said, that's the best sermon I've heard. And I liked what you said about this, 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 and this. I didn't tell her I thought she was asleep. And so many situations you just don't know until you have a conversation. Don't make judgments. You know, clearly in this, uh, to the people that which James was writing, there was uh, a lot of anger, a lot of disagreements. And he says in chapter 3, 9 to 10, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. And he says to them, treat each other with grace and with mercy, not with anger and not with violence. Then he says, strip off all moral filth and evil in verse 21. You don't get angry, but strip off anything that is not right. Drunkenness, laziness, drugs, pornography, abuse, uh, premarital sex, adultery, lying, cheating, lust, selfishness, mockery of Christianity. Take off everything. Strip it off. As a new person who's been changed, born again by by the Word of God, now filled with the Word of God, get rid of anything that is contrary to what God wants. And so I ask you today, is there something you want to get rid of? You need to get rid of. Is there some moral filth in your life? 
And you think, well, I haven't really dealt with this. I'm just letting it work in my heart and it's eating away at me and it's destroying my spiritual life. You need to get rid of it. One day a man was visiting a coal mining town. Picture this, will you? It's a coal mining town which is normally dark and black and there's uh, dust everywhere. The coal dust seemed to blacken the buildings, the trees, the shrubs, everything in the spice. It was dark. It's the old days, right? He walked down the street, uh, but he saw a white, beautiful white flower which captivated his attention because it was white and everything else was covered in dust. And he thought, well, the owner of this flower must really take care of it and keep dusting it all the time. And the foreman then threw a handful of dust on the flower, like that. It immediately fell off and left the flower as stainless as before. And the man said, no, no, it has a natural enamel which prevents any dust from clinging to it. So as soon as it falls, it just falls off. See, it must have been created for a place like this. And I think when I, when I heard that story, I thought, in the midst of a filthy, sinful world, rebellious world, God gives us, through His Word and His Spirit, a spiritual enamel if we humbly accept His Word planted in us and we yield to the Holy Spirit. So then when the contamination of the world comes to us, it doesn't soak into us. It doesn't remain upon us, but it falls off us. So when a temptation to get angry comes upon us, naturally as the Spirit of God works in our hearts, you don't even, you're not even tempted to get angry. It, it falls off you. Your natural inclination is to show grace and mercy. Well, it's the temptation to lust and you look and appreciate, but you don't lust and you just move on with your life. You see, it just the, the filth just falls off. And that's what God wants to see. Christians who are pure and right and holy. Secondly, he says, uh, 22 to 25, and the next two points are a bit shorter than that first point. Do what the Word of God says, verse 22 to 25. Obey, don't just listen. So we don't want to be a Bible-teaching church. We're known as a Bible-teaching, the Bible-preaching church. But we want to be a Bible-obeying church, right? It's not enough just to be preaching it. We need to be obeying it. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says, he says. Jesus himself said... Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. It said, if, if you don't have a foundation, if you're not listening to the word and not obeying it, your house will crash. And in 23 and 24, James elaborates on a contrast between the person who listens to the Word and the one who hears and obeys. And he uses this analogy about looking into a mirror. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, by doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So what's he trying to say? So the man looks at a mirror, he sees himself, goes away, forgets. But the believer looks at the Word, continues in the Word, does the Word, is blessed. He doesn't forget it. 
Now, I think the point of the simile is not 100% clear, but I think the point of the simile is that one forgets, it has no lasting impact on them, while the other believer continues in a base, it has a lasting impact. I think that seems to be the whole idea. Or he may be using the looking into the mirror to illustrate the superficial and temporary effect of the word on those who hear it without doing it. It's only temporary. But you see, obedience is crucial to understanding the Bible. And when we fail to do the Word of God, we deceive ourselves. So I need to say to myself, Ange, don't just read it, don't just preach it, don't just memorize it even, but own it, obey it, live it. Love, forgive, serve, be kind, share the gospel, use your spiritual gifts, just do it. Yesterday I had a few minutes down at Brighton Lee Sands thinking about sharing the gospel and, uh, and I took my dad to, to the cemetery earlier, first time in three and a half months, uh, to, to visit mum's uh, burial sites and light the lamp and then I had a few minutes down at Brighton Lee Sands and I sat down uh, to book uh, hotel accommodation for something but I won't go into that uh, and then two people came to me to evangelise me. Hi, uh, just wondering where you can have a few minutes so we can talk to you about God and His love for you. I said, no, you don't want to spend your time with me, I said. Uh, I did say, yes, no, listen, I'm a committed Christian and a pastor and so on. And, uh, and I just, I thought, here they were down at Bridley Sands wanting to take the gospel, obey the word. I mean, not everyone has to do street witnessing or beach witnessing, but for them, the word of God being implanted in them had changed their hearts. And, I said, and as I spoke to them, they said, we just want to get the word out to as many people as possible. They're from a local Anglican church. I always ask first, because I normally run into people who are on some extreme <laughs> uh, group of people. Uh, but no, no, the local Anglican church at Arncliffe, Bayside Anglican. And then I, f- I discovered that I knew half his friends. <laughs> he was Greek, so that explains it. Uh, but I was just encouraged. I thought, would I have the courage to walk along there with the Bible, try to have conversation with people? Not that you have to do evangelism that way, but the Word of God was impacting them and changing them. And finally, verses 26 and 27, what are the Father's children like? If we have the Word of God, and he says they control their speech. If anyone considers considers himself religious, religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. This will be an important theme for James. We'll come back to that in a little while about the use of the tongue. Uh, You get that in chapter 3, but he raises it here in a summary. We'll come back to that later. But it's also they care for the helpless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Because there are some people in the church who weren't caring for the poor, didn't care for widows in distress. They just thought they were, they were powerful and they were wealthy and they didn't care about obedience. And he reminds them of these instructions from the Old Testament that now carries into the New Testament. We care for the vulnerable. So who are the widows and the orphans today? Maybe the lonely or the needy, the suffering and the sick, the unemployed, the mentally unwell who are in hospital, the widowed, the single-parent families, the mothers raising children alone. Whoever they are, we need to be men and women who look out for those in need 
and love them and serve them. Who are the need in the wider world? The poor, the refugee, the hungry, the oppressed, often women and children. We need to show a concern for them. And that's why we do the things we do, like visit, visiting people and offering food hampers to, to people in need, providing meals for people, praying for people, visiting aged care facilities, supporting Baptist World Aid, Operation Christmas Child, Bibles for the Persecuted Church. And that's why many of you will support causes individually, because God gives you a heart for the helpless. And then he says in uh, verse 27, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Remember before, we need to get rid of all moral filth and keep yourself from being polluted from the world. If you are the father's children, don't be like the world, be different. Let me conclude. James writes, humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Now we Baptist Church, may God help us to just do it. Let me pray. Lord God, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that it transforms our hearts. It directs us in a way in which we ought to live. It rebukes us, corrects us, and trains us in righteousness. Lord, may we walk the talk. May we be so radically different because of your word that we would be a shining light in our community, that we would be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Lord, refine our characters. Teach us to be slow to be angry, slow to speak, quick to listen. Help us not to be judgmental or to gossip or to put others down, but to speak words of encouragement, words of grace, uh, uplifting words that speak hope and faith and courage because of your love for us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you offered your life for us. You proved your love through your sacrificial death on the cross and your resurrection victory. May we keep our eyes focused on you as we treat others the way you have treated us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.